0: En een goeiemorgen, daar welkom bij ons program Skrifteerlik, waar ons wekelijk saam na oplossing soek uit die skrifte, waar waarmee gewone mense sikkel. Die Bijbel sê in Johannes 17:17, 17, 17 woord is waarheid, heilig hulle na die woord, en pasal om sê, woord is een lamp van my voete en een licht van my pad. Kom dan samen met ons vir die volgende uur, wanneer ons geen steen onaangeraakt laat om die waarheid te vind en licht te schijnen op die vraag uit die schriften, waarmee ek en jy mond kan worstel nie. Krijg dus gauw jou Bijbel en kom onderzoek saam met ons die skrifte. Dit moet nou, skrifteerlik. Yeah, and a warm-hearted good morning wherever you are in God's world. Welcome, scriptural, skriftierlik, tot en met 12 uur vanmiddag. Ons is levendig hier in ons ateliers Kilner Park, 42 Kilner Park, Jacobusstraat in Kilner Park, Pretoria. En samen met my in die atelier, Pastor Rocky Stevenson. Rocky, good morning my brother, how are you keeping it?
1: Oh well thank you venant it's um, I think I do feel maybe a little bit like a lot of the listeners at this time of the year. you know it's quite pressed um quite a busy season this coming lord's day i'm I'm going to be preaching at Glen Vista Baptist Church, so I'm preaching out this week and oh, I'm right. um, getting ready for that and so you know it's you you pressed you have many different things on your on your plate, and you feel that kind of we've got to get to December type of feeling. <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh,
0: the, somebody said the other day, I'm running the rat race and I look behind me and there's not a single rat behind me. It is just me running the race. <laughs> so uh, wonderful to have you on board. We know that uh, in the Lord, we are refreshed. And if we lean onto the Lord, uh, he mm-hmm. is the one that restores us and refresh us. And we trust that through this program, you'll find answers to your questions and that your spirit man be refreshed this morning. Ons uh, doen skrifteerlijk tot en met uh, twaalf vier voor oogend, so, uh, met alle woord so vijf voor twaalf. Ek gaan vir jou een WhatsApp-nummer gee, as jy een vraag het wat jy graag wil vraag, baie welkom om dit vir ons in te stier. Just a sideline remark, that as you send in your question this morning, please make note of the scripture that uh, you're looking for answers to. Uh, just a uh, a quick reference to that scripture, it makes life just a little bit easier here in the studio uh, to help us find the uh, scripture in God's Word. So, then, uh, the uh, number that you must here, 082 it's Vodacom Network 82 the frequency on which we're broadcasting, 657 the number 2 and then 729 our sister station down in the Western Cape their frequency on which they're broadcasting and there you have a very unique number, 82 729. From the one to the other, and you're welcome to send in your questions. Was it for Hunter haal van die Weskes Langebaan, wat saam uit die Weskaap uit, die uit, Tanzania from all over the continent of Africa, and indeed from down under, and in the UK, people are listening to us right now, and you're welcome to post your questions, and send them in. We had a question, Rocky, last week, if you've missed out on on the uh, whatsapp number don't be uh, concerned don't be worried we'll be repeating it throughout the program so uh, just stay close to your rodeo keep a pen and paper handy rocky we had a question last week with regards to cremation now we've dealt with this in detail on this program so let's just go for the short answer Um, is it okay to have yourself cremated? What does the Bible say with regards? Is it funeral? Is it cremation? Does the Bible give us any indication? What is the short answer? And I know we've dealt with it before, Mm -hmm. but just for the purposes of uh, this listener.
1: Short short answer is that we have liberty in Christ regarding whether we cremated or whether we are buried. The Bible doesn't speak specifically of cremation itself, but it does speak of going to dust and ashes. And when we recognize the way that the recreated body is created in glory... If God could put the dust together to make Adam and Eve, he can put ashes together to make you um, a glorified body in that sense. And so there is a liberty. I do think that there is something to be said about a tombstone or a message that you could leave even when you are buried. But there is liberty in Christ regarding this, and there's no specific command in the Scriptures that says you should not be cremated as I, well.
0: I'm just thinking on the uh, Christian families that were burned uh, in the in the gardens of Nero, way back when yes. in the Dark Ages, and uh, fed to the lions and burned in the Colosseum. Mm. Um, you know, surely those those were people that gave up their lives
1: yes. to glorify Christ. Yes, indeed, and um, the Lord in the second coming when you see the uh, the dead in christ that rise first as first thessalonians says not to be absent well to die so when you go to sleep you're you're absent from the body and you're present with the lord we know that and your soul spirit your immaterial part of you is present with the lord but your body begins to rot no matter where it is and um, but you receive a glorified body a resurrected body at the rapture of christ
0: All right. Uh, I hope that answers your question. Thank you so much for posing that question. And like I said, we've dealt with it in depth on this program, Cremation versus uh, Funeral. What does the word of God say with regards to that? So there's a short nutshell answer for you. We've received a question from, let me see, Gregory. Gregory that says, uh, regarding Mary, the mother of Jesus, asking uh, if we should pray to Mary or should we pray uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ? Is she an intercessor by any means? And I know there's certain denominations uh, in the world that uh, that makes a big thing of this, the short and sweet answer to this, uh, with regards to Greg- Gregory's uh, question. Mag for die mutter Maria, Jesus' uh is she an intercessor by any means, or is it we pray to Christ and Christ alone?
1: Yeah, there's, um, there's a number of unbiblical doctrines that have perpetrated and, and come through through the ages, and one such doctrine is that she's this intercessor. But we don't see any of this in the scriptures. We we don't see, for example, one of the other doctrines. And this is where th- this. This doctrine begins to fall apart when you unravel some of the other false doctrines. One of the false doctrines is that Mary is perpetually the Virgin Mary, that she always was the Virgin Mary before Jesus was born, when Jesus was born, after Jesus was born. She just remained the Virgin Mary. And that's just simply untrue because we see that she no longer was a virgin after Jesus. Jesus' birth because Mary and Joseph had other children, Matthew 1, 19 to 25. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, not wanting to divorce her, you see this section where um, Joseph actually decides, I'm going to divorce Mary he was betrothed to be married to her, but he had not had any intercourse with her, and she was still a virgin, and he decides, I'm going to divorce her quietly because he's a righteous man, but then the angel of the Lord comes to him in Matthew chapter 1 and from verse 23, and at the end of that, chapter 20, uh, verse 25 of Matthew 1, it says, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called her name Jesus. And called his name Jesus. And there you see, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. And then later on in Mark 6, 3, you see that um, even those that were the um, uh, opposition to Jesus says, Is this man not the carpenter, the son of Mary, um, and brothers of James and Joseph and Judas and Simeon uh, or Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And so you can see that Jesus had brothers and sisters. How would that be possible if Mary was perpetually a virgin? And then there's also the false doctrine of Mary being sinless. And so many people will say the reason Jesus was born sinless is because Mary was sinless. And so Mary sinless and therefore Jesus was sinless. And that's just simply untrue. She was a sinner like anybody else. Yeah. She was a servant of the most high God and she was used of God like somebody like John the Baptist or other prophets, etc. And, and God specifically chose her and blessed her in that type of sense. And she's remembered with great um, great joy as we look at what she did and the way in which she was willing to be used of the Lord as his servant and um and this is false again you know J- Jesus was not born with sin because he is God but also because he was born of the virgin mary in other words he didn't receive the sin nature of being born in adam's lineage he was born of the seed of woman he is the grand fulfillment of what we see in genesis 3 verse 15 where Eve is given the promise and this is what it reads in Genesis 3:15 and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed and he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel and and there's this promise of the seed of Eve which is the seed of woman which is the only time that this has ever happened, that a woman gave birth apart from the seed of a man. And so Jesus was born sinless because he did not inherit the, the sin nature of Adam. He is the second Adam, as the scriptures put it. And so he was sinless, not because of the fact that Mary was sinless. Now, as we think through this question even a bit further, our Lord Jesus never ever says, pray to my mom. He never says, go through Mary. He never says that she's an interceder. Nowhere inside of the New Testament do we see that you must go to Mary to get to Jesus. In John 14, verse 6, Jesus said uh, unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through Through me. me." Mm -hmm. He doesn't say, but through me and through my mom. And then 1 Timothy 2, verse 5 to 6, it says, for there is one God and one mediator also between God and God and men. And what does he say there? Mary? No. The man Christ Jesus. He is the mediator between God and man. He is the one through whom intercession is brought, who gave himself as a ransom for all and and the witness for the proper time. So nowhere in the Bible are we commanded to worship Mary or pray through Mary to get to Jesus. We can, though um, through what Jesus did, Come to God the Father with great boldness because of what Jesus did for us. And that's what Hebrews 4 verse 4 to 16 says. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us take hold of our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but one who has been tempted in all ways like we are, yet without sin. And it tells us that about Jesus, not about Mary or about anybody else. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Because of this mediator, the Lord Jesus, you and I can come before God the Father with boldness. That is an amazing thought, because he washes us by his perfect work at the cross. So if ever there was an opportune time even for Jesus to tell his disciples to worship or pray through Mary, surely it would have been at a place like the cross, yeah. you'd think. Yeah. But what does he do there in John 19, 25 to 27? And, and you see this, he says, but standing at the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, that's the apostle John, standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold, your mother. From that other di- hour, the disciple took her into his home. And John looked after her, and I've got some various thoughts we spoke about, oh, I think, right. on the, the this before regarding that. But if ever there was a time where Jesus could say, well, you, you guys should pray through Mary, you would have thought it would be even somewhere like that. But also listen to what Jesus says earlier on in Luke 8, verse 19 to 21. Jesus' mother and brothers come and they're looking for Jesus. They actually think maybe he's going a little bit mad because he's not eating and he's giving lots of his time for the people. And it says this, and his mother and brothers came to him and they were unable to get to him because of the crowd. And it was reported to him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wishing to see you. But he answered and said to them, my mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. What is Jesus there doing? He's showing us that every single individual that actually does the will of the Father becomes part of the family of Christ. And he doesn't elevate his mom at that point. He doesn't yeah. say, but my mom's All very special. For or, his, or his brothers for that yeah. matter. And his brothers actually were a big part of the New Testament church. They didn't believe in Jesus at one point. Yeah. But after the resurrection, they did. And James, his half-brother, we say half-brother because obviously Jesus only, ha- he was born of the Virgin Mary, not yeah. of the seed of Joseph. But his half-brother becomes the pastor of the first church in Jerusalem, James, and he writes the book of James at the end of our Bibles. So, so if there was ever an opportune time, I think Jesus would have told us, and he hasn't. And so it's an unbiblical doctrine, and it should be repudiated in, as such, and we stick to what the Scriptures teach.
0: Simple as that, right? Thank you very much for that, and there you have the answer. If you ever doubted or wondered about this, uh, can I pray through Mary? Can she be an intercessor? Well, the scripture is very, very clear on that. Before we move on, Rocky, we, in the run-up to this morning's program, you spoke about a uh, a missionary in Iraq that was killed. In fact, he was shot in front of his family, and you asked whether you could share just a couple of thoughts on that this morning. The Trowell family, if I'm uh, correct, I had a look at the the video. Uh, What are your thoughts on this?
1: Yeah, I've been so moved about this. um, Last week, Monday evening, he was shot dead um, in front of his family. He was heading back from a Bible study and he's there. He was there in Baghdad and he was shot four times. There were two vehicles that actually cornered him off and 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 he was shot dead. And and I received his newsletter, which was on the 4th of November, which would have been his last newsletter on the Friday night. And and I wanted to read a little bit about that from it. And this was written by Stephen himself. And uh, he says this. Writers, our two-and-a-half-hour Bible study concluded last night, speaking about the Thursday night, the week before the Monday. Abby said, Daddy, there are men out in the street who have been there since Ali and Ayad arrived at the Bible study. My heart pounded in my chest, and I looked at our camera, command center, in the kitchen, and 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 to give a look, almost like a spy movie. The shadowy figures stood in the darkness under the streetlight, several houses down. They appeared to be smoking, talking, and waiting, but for what? The the very real concern was that these men could be tracking the guys. To our house and waiting for them to leave, have we put these guys at risk for our regularity of our meetings? You see, they meet very often as yeah. they discipline um, these young men that have come to faith in Christ. I wondered in my heart. Ali and Ayid live under the constant threat of intimidation and violence because of their commitment to following Jesus against the grain of the challenging culture all right. I invited Ali and Ayid to wait with us until the men left, but they reminded me, Stephen, we are in the hands of God. We are not afraid. We will go now. Reluctantly, I bid them good night, and they disappeared in the darkness. I was tired and still had so much to do before I could go to bed, but I couldn't stand it any longer. I had to know why these men, who these men were, what they were up to, and why they were loitering in our street. I bundled a few bags of trash and headed toward them. As I approached, it quickly became apparent to me that one was our trusted neighbor, a nominal Christian. One was a guard at the local business. But the third, I didn't know. He turned out to be an acquaintance of our neighbor. I was relieved that these men were not up to anything nefarious, a bit ashamed that I had assumed the worst, and challenged by the confident faith of my young Timothys. We probably talked for an hour. Standing under the street light God gave me an incredible opportunity to witness to these men. In that God-ordained moment, I verbally took them to the Garden of Eden, located in Iraq, speaking of Father Adam and Mother Eve and the love of God for them, despite their disobedience. The moment was powerful, too challenging to explain with limited keystrokes. Suffice to say, God opened a door to speak, and these men listened, especially these men. I knew why they were loitering, so they could hear a witness from the Lord. Pray that God will use the words that were spoken in the, to work deeply in the heart of these men. And, and so yeah, you have a man writing about these men that he shared the gospel on the Friday, and on the Monday he's shot dead. For his faith in Christ, now this has come out into the news and it 's around the world in the media and and therefore, we can actually speak about it he's at, at the time of last week, his family were still there, and we weren 't sure of what the threat was yeah. but won 't you please pray for this family? you know he uh, they has three little or had three little girls uh, a son, and um, he 's now with the Lord, and they are having to deal with this trauma. You know you feel so burdened, you just want to get on a plane, go to Iraq, give them a hug cry with them, weep with them, um, speak with the, the the young men that have come to faith in Christ who have lost this leader. And, and even his prayer points from that week, he has his prayer points, he says, pray for us to be effective in ministry this week. Pray that God will use us. And the Lord is using this man. That Stephen met the other Stephen who was yeah. the first martyr. And he says, pray for us to be able to find another means to of being in Iraq. We are fairly confident that we will not be in the center long long term, but are not sure what the Lord has for us. He wasn't sure. Where is God taking me with this? And yet the Lord actually took him home. Pray for laborers to listen to the heart of God for Iraq. And maybe you're listening this morning and God is putting uh, something in your heart regarding Iraq this morning. Maybe you're one of the laborers we're busy praying for. The harvest here is ripe. The way is not easy, but God is working. Isn't that amazing that God is doing that work in Iraq? And pray for the sale of our house and pray for um, a, a mother who's ill. All right. What a what a wonderful um, realization of how much freedom we have, even in South Africa. And, and we take we it so easily for granted. So easily say, for yeah, granted. I said this to granted, our church yeah. family, you know, I said it this last Sunday in my sermon. I said, you know, if, if those men could see some of the flippant way that we live as Christians in South Africa, they might say, I'm so glad I'm in Baghdad. Yeah, It's yeah, you know? yeah. um, so
0: true. We've spoken to a pastor in Pakistan, and we said to him, what can we pray for? And he says that the persecution don't stop. Uh, because that keeps us close to the Lord It's just gone 26 minutes after 11 You're tuned to scriptural, skriftielik En uh, Ikasa sê, ons moet ook um, musiek speel So, ons het uh, Rihanna Nel op die draaitafel As jy 'n vraag het uh, wat jy graag wil vra, So net, ons sien jou vraag Ons gaan nou nou kyk na die vraag vir jou Eileen Verlander from Kybega uh, thank you so much. Uh, we are looking at your question right now as we speak and uh, see if we can tackle that as well. But here is the other panel on the right table. Here is a word Jesus Emmanuel, God with us. Never take life for granted. Never take the freedom that we have to share the gospel for granted. Who knows? Uh, tomorrow might never come. Tomorrow possibly cannot be there for you will not be there for you That was the tijd uitkoop geniet met ons Jezus, Emmanuel mm. Radio Buzzing with Life Somebody made a remark here, Say, Sê, goeiemorgen, pastoor Rocky En Wijnand wil net bevestig Dat gelovig en mense in Suid-Afrika Lewe heel te gemakkelijk En waardeer nie dat elke sondag In de moedertaal kan gemeenskap Met ander gelovig en ons vader Wat in die jemel is Ons net een keer per maand kerk in Afrikaans Ons moedertaal En het die COVID-tijd besef how important a church is Our unique sympathie Than with uh, Stevenson family And uh, Sanette, daar uit Livingston, Zambia Wat here the message For us has some care All the way from Livingston, Zambia Listening mm-hmm. there Thank you so much for that Right, I got a question I, I'm just wondering uh, this possibly somebody else? Yeah, that's from Secunda that says we have spoken, haven't spoken for quite some time, my vraag vir ochend is, kan die Heere se genade ophou? Kan die Heere se genade ophou? Kan ek aanhou met sonde en net vastgeloo dat die Heere se genade, genade altyd daar is vir ons? En wat kan ek doen aan die sak? It reminds me of the scripture where where, brother Paul says, that 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 I don't want to do, I do. And the things that I should do, I don't do. Um, is he making reference of sin? Is he making reference of, of staying close to, to the Lord Jesus Christ, staying in God's mercy? Uh, Ichabod, can the presence of God leave us? Can we lose our salvation?
1: Yeah, okay. um, I think there's various complexities regarding the question, but uh, a verse that comes to mind is First John 3, verse 9, which says, everyone who has been born of God, does not sin because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Everyone who does not do righteousness is not of God as well as the one who does not love his brother. But we also see that if we have sinned, which all of us do sin, then we have one that we can come to and ask ask forgiveness from sin. But when it comes to losing salvation, you've got to ask the question and many people will say, well, you know, one saved, always saved, and yeah. that becomes the phrase. But it really is, if saved, always saved. You've yeah. got to first ask the question and answer the question, is this individual actually a Christian? Because a Christian is somebody who has fully trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and therefore they possess the Holy Spirit. They've been born again. Well, right. you know, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that yeah. whoever believes in him would have eternal life. And you've got various passages that come to mind as you think through that. For by grace you have been saved through faith, Ephesians chapter 2. And this is not of your doing. It is the gift of God. So if this is the gift of God, God doesn't take away his gift from the one that that he's given that gift to. It's not as a result of works so that no one may boast. If you didn't do anything to get your salvation, then you can't do anything to lose your salvation. If you did something to actually get it, then you could lose it yeah but we haven't not the biblical kind of salvation this has been something that has been given by God alone and so you do need to deal with the question of am I really saved am I born again have I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ not the Lord Jesus that I walked an aisle or stuck up a hand or signed somewhere. the Lord Jesus who is the Lord Jesus of the scriptures have I turned to him alone or do I still think that somehow by my own works or my own person that I can make my way into heaven And I think sometimes we have a superstitious thing connected to this. Where Paul speaks about that in in Romans chapter 7, as you made reference to earlier on. And he says, wretched man that I am, basically, who will save me from this body of sin. In Romans chapter 8, he says, there's therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So the big point is, those that are in Christ Jesus. Earlier on in Romans chapter 6, he says, do not then say, let me sin so that grace may abound. That would be absolutely the wrong mentality completely. If we think, okay, well, I'm saved, I can just sin and just carry on. Then we take in grace absolutely for granted. There is an aspect of, of call upon the name of the Lord while he is near, while he is to be found. And there is a level of mystery in a sense, because if you're just going to carry on sinning, and taking his grace for granted, then there remains no more a forgiveness of sins. We do see in the New Testament this tension that says it's those that endure till the end yeah. that are saved. And we do see the tension of what we call apostates, somebody like a Judas. Judas was with Jesus for three years. He went through this ministry. He was sent out with the twelve to go and cast out demons and to heal the sick and to, you know, heal those that were blind and deaf. And he, he did this, he preached. You know, He was part of the, the inner circle, as it were, of Jesus' disciples. Even when Judas receives the bread from Jesus at the table and the cup from Jesus and Jesus says, go do what you're going to do quickly, yeah. the other disciples who are busy arguing about who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven start to think, oh, Judas is busy being sent on a special mis- mission. Yeah. Oh, Judas must be the favorite.
0: But but we can say to one another, Rocky, and it's important that we hear each other's hearts. Those disciples that was there in the upper room eating with Jesus, the Holy Spirit haven't been poured out at that stage. Yes, They, they, they were not yes. saved at that stage. Uh, uh, saved yeah. in, 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 yes, in inverted, in inverted bracket, commas. Yes. In inverted commas. Yeah, they
1: hadn't yet received the gift of the promised Holy Spirit yeah. at that point. But you do see somebody like a Judas who actually, let's say, was never saved, if you were to put that in inverted commas as well and yes he part of another verse that comes to mind second corinthians five seventeen says therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creation the old is gone and the new has come so is it possible for somebody like that to lose their salvation never all right never because they are a new creation
0: all right now now can i take you to 1 timothy 1 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 20 And the Afrikaanse Bible sê, onder wie is daar Himeneus en Alexander wat ek aan die Satan oorgegee so sodat hulle kan leer om nie te luister It gets back to that question of Sanet Can God's mercy leave us? Can God's anointing leave us? The presence of the Lord What does this scripture mean in relation to the question that Sanet has asked us this morning?
1: Yeah, um, this, you know, you have these two men and there is different opinions on Hymenaeus and Alexander. It may be that they had reached the point of church discipline where, and church discipline is always restorative. The idea is that they will learn and that they would actually be saved in the end. And so he says there, I've handed them over to Satan and there's a very specific purpose. The purpose is that Satan would actually then teach these two men not to blaspheme anymore. And so it's saying, okay, you guys have been saying these things which are wrong. You've been going, you've been holding to doctrine that is false, and that's one of the reasons that you would practice church discipline. Go, go then, and see, you're no longer part of the church of Christ. You're no longer part of this called-out body of believers because you're holding to this false doctrine. Let Satan teach you for a moment. And it may be that those two men actually were in the end saved. We're not too sure. But we see that the reason that Paul uses this is just before this in verse 18. He's entrusted to Timothy, his child in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning him, that he would fight the good fight. And so the reason that he even brings these two men into this argument is that as an illustration to Timothy. Timothy, keep on enduring. Keep yeah. on persevering, and so this is where some of the tension comes because we don't actually know the heart of people. God knows the heart; yes. He knows the root. The we we can see some of the fruit. If the fruit is rotten, most likely the root is rotten. But you look at somebody like a Peter, as well as we think about that Judas illustration. Peter denies our Lord three times, but yet the Lord restores Peter. A terrible Peter. thing to do. A In, terrible indeed, thing definitely, to do. Yeah. and the Lord restores Peter. And he brings him into a place of fellowship once more with him, and Peter is used of the Lord in mighty ways. I mean, three thousand souls added to the number of the church in Acts chapter two after Peter's preaching. Yeah. And so God, God uses Peter as, in a sense, a rock, as a um, as a beginning point for the church, and 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 Peter is used mightily of God as he is restored. And and so there, the point is made that we don't know the root often. But God knows the root and there is a sense that you need to be persevering, you need to be faithful now. And if as you think about salvation, salvation you have the wrath of God that is appeased by Christ, as yeah. he takes the curse, as he's on that tree, and as he bears the wrath of God that that we deserved because of our sin. The wages of our sin is death. And the eternal gift of God is, is or the, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ our Lord, as Romans six puts it. Now as our Lord Jesus goes to the cross, he takes that wrath that we deserve and we receive His righteousness, and we're clothed in His righteousness. Now when God the Father looks at us, that propitiation work of Christ, He sees us as He sees His Son, the Lord Jesus. That salvation is so full, that justification. It's two ways. Just as if I'd never sinned, just as if I was always righteous. That happens at that point of salvation and justification. But then there's sanctification. And part of that sanctification journey, I think, is where this question heads. And the sanctification journey is, Lord, please save me from myself, because I've been saved from my sin and the wrath that my sin deserves, and Jesus took that penalty, but now I'm in this messy place where actually, like, my passions are at war within me, I'm still having the lust of the eyes, the lust of life, and the pride of life, I need your help daily. And we need the strength of Jesus to live today to the glory of God. And
0: we, there's our conscience that yes. is, that reminds us yes.
1: of, of, you know, of this and,
0: wretched life that I that I live. Yeah,
1: and and so part of what what Jesus saved us from is not just the penalty of sin, but even the pleasures of sin. Yeah. Sin is no longer pleasurable to the Christian. He also then saves us from the the pains of sin in a sense, because we don't always receive all of the consequence. Now, of course, there is a consequence to sin even now for us. And oftentimes, God in His mercy withholds a lot of that. You think of somebody like Ananias and Sapphira that lied to the Holy Spirit, and God strikes them dead, and fear fills the whole church. Why? Well, because many of them also deserve to be struck dead, yet God didn't do that, and just because God doesn't strike you dead doesn't mean that God can't strike you dead, but I think that, that part of the point is as well, is don't presume upon the grace and the holiness of God, and don't sin so that grace may abound. Yeah. Just because he has forgiven you. I've been saved, you therefore know? I can carry on and, sinning. And now. the motivation is really the love of God. Yeah. We love him because he first loved us. You know, if we if we live in our Christian life with let me let me just do what I would like and then yeah. ask forgiveness later, the question then would be, Well, dear one, are you actually born again? Yeah, because if you yeah. recognize what Jesus did at the cross, how, how could we just spit on him?
0: You know what? I've, I've, I've explained it and I've talked about it in, in a sense that I've been married. You've been married. You go out of your way to keep your wife happy because she's your wife. Um, and, and, and the same, if I say that I love my wife or if I love the Lord Jesus Christ, then surely I would go out of my way. to. Uh, isn't God himself that said, if you love me, you will obey my word?
1: Indeed, Jesus said that. Yeah, yes.
0: so 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 important. And then the question, just to to end it off, uh, and and I think you've touched on that, uh, where she says, "So will God withdraw His mercy from me if I keep on struggling with the same thing over and over and over?" And I'm thinking, yeah, many men in South Africa, Christian men, who's struggling with porn, who says, "Man, I hate this stuff. It's despicable. It's hell's philosophy in printing." But I, I, I'm struggling with it. Will God forgive me? Can, can I get away from this?
1: So, so one of the things I think when somebody says I'm struggling with a sin, sometimes they need to be real with themselves and say I'm actually jumping into it. Yeah. Like you got to be very real with where you're at with regard to sin, and I think that there is something that that does. Uh, that the scriptures do or the scripture does teach us regarding some of the freedom that we can even receive regarding this. And James five verse 16 is a place I would go to regarding this. It says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much and I think part of the problem with some of these sins and we're talking now about more of the private sin that nobody actually knows about it's a sin that's been committed in the dark is that very problem it's been committed in the dark and a person thinks I'm all alone in this but there's actually no trial that has overcome you that is not common to man that's first Corinthians 10 verse 12 and God is faithful he's able to deliver you from this he's able to give you endurance for it but part of what James even teaches here and I think that there is a a careful context regarding this. I'm not saying go to your local church this week and get up in front of the church and just spew out what you've done in the week yeah. or the week before or whatever. I think that there ought to be close communion that there is between believers and believers, between men in a congregation and other men in the congregation. I touched on this a little bit in 1 Thessalonians 5 towards the end of the book where Paul talks about greeting one another with a holy kiss. You can yeah. go and look at that sermon if you wish. It yeah. was Sunday night. But there ought to be such a close communion that we actually can go to a brother and say brother this is something that i need your prayer about please would you pray for me with this and where you can call a brother and say you know these are some of the thoughts i've had this week And the brother can say, well, you know, let me point you again to the marvelous grace of Christ and the goodness of our Father in sending the Lord Jesus for us. And so what I would say is if you're in a position where you're struggling with certain sin that you're going back and going back and going back to, start to take it seriously. Our Lord Jesus took this very seriously. He said, if your right eye is causing you to sin, gouge it out. If your hand is causing you to sin, cut it off. So be radical about it. Actually start taking it seriously. Part of the problem is that we actually like our sin too much, too often. That's the reason that we sin. It's because we like it. And then we need to be honest with ourselves and say, I'm actually enjoying the sin more than what I'm enjoying Jesus. I put Jesus into the corner of my heart, and I say, Jesus, you sit there like a good boy, and you wait until next week, Sunday. And that's the way that we treat Jesus. And then we pull out all of these things from our closet that we hide on the Sunday, and then we enjoy those things the rest of the week, and then we feel bad on the Sunday again. And, and I think this is the way that the pattern is for too many Christians. And we ought to have an open honesty before God the Father through the Holy Spirit by the Word of God. And we need to also come before the Lord and be accountable to one another and submit ourselves underneath the elders that God has given us within our local congregations and let these brothers walk with us. Yeah. You know, let sisters walk with you. When you are struggling through these things, you're not the only one that goes through these things. And I think that's a prideful approach as well that we have. It's a hidden kind of a pride when an individual has that kind of e-or mentality. I've talked of that before, I think, online. Yeah, um that, that you know, oh, woe is me, everything's bad. It's always raining. It's always yeah, dark. Yeah. There's a there's pity, almost pity like a pity of, party kind of a yeah. thing and where you think you're the only one that is struggling with that sin and that your sin is so much bigger than the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Repent of that. And that's as simple as it is. And then it's kind of like that video I sent you once before. Just stop it. Yeah, stop it. <laughs> just yeah. stop it. You yeah. know, just stop it and get help in that sense. Mm. You know, you have brothers and sisters in good congregations that you can go to and that you can be helped with this. But do you really want to change? And I think that's where you've got to challenge yourself. Do I really want to let go of the sin? Yeah. Or am I really actually loving the sin more than the Savior? And then you've got to ask yourself, am I really born again? Because if I've come into contact with the marvelous grace of Jesus— how can I go and keep on sinning, keep on sinning, keep on sinning against him? Exactly, I just can't see that as that's incongruent with the yeah. Christian walk in that sense. And it's not—I'm not trying to be insensitive to those yeah. that maybe are are facing these kind of things. And we've got to make the distinction sometimes also between the temptation and the actual sin, because there's times that it's not yet sin, but it's a temptation. But what are you doing to actually put these things out? Yeah. I, I think of a simple illustration—you know, if it is porn that a that a man is busy with. You know, get rid of the devices that are causing you to have that kind of a freedom. You know, put blocks on your filters or put filters on your computers and do what you can. Take every measure that you can to get away from it because that's important, you know, and God will provide the way to do that. He'll allow you to actually use just your left hand if you chop the right hand off. Now, I'm not saying go and do that physically. Jesus was talking about putting, making serious about yeah, how we how yeah, we do this. Yeah. Sometimes, maybe we need to pluck out both eyes.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, with regards to Sanet's question, Sanet, uh, ek is vanavond sekunde af. Ek hoop dit antwoord jou vraag. En uh, ons gaan wegstap uh, dan uh, van daaien af. Uh, ek hoop, Rokkie het genoeg skrifte ook vir jou gegeven, het, vir jou bevestigd. Eileen Philander, daar van Port Elizabeth's Wereld. Af. Good morning, God's blessing from Kybega, formerly Port Elizabeth. I want to know if I take out the tenth of my income as my tithes and place it in the envelope. But before I get to to pledge it, I use some of it because of whatever reason. But big body but replaces it with money from somewhere else. would the replacement money be constitute uh, constitute as part of the tithes of my income
1: i i i I feel <laughs> so so much for this dear lady who's who's writing this and and yes where where my heart is regarding that question. Many times we accept a form of superstition regarding what we do and the religious practices that we have. Now, I'm not saying that we ought not to be generous and that we ought not to give and that we ought not to to specifically say this is what I'm going to give as a portion. You know, you even see in in Proverbs chapter 3 verse 7, you know, take of the first fruit and give to the Lord and and be a generous giver and be hospitable, etc. But nowhere in the New Testament do we see a tithing principle of giving 10%. This is something that simply I think maybe a bunch of guys that were nervous that they weren't going to get a salary as pastors came up with. And they thought, okay, if I've got 10 families, then at least I'll get paid. I have no idea where it came from, but it is something. Well, I do have some idea, but (laughs) there's probably not enough time (laughs) to get into it. But it's it's a false taking of the Old Testament and then merging it into the New Testament. What God desires from his people is to be gracious givers recognizing the marvelous grace that God has given to us. Whether that amount be a 5% or 2%, whatever you have determined to give, give. That's what the scriptures teach in the New Testament. Decide before the Lord what you will give and be a generous giver. And that is what God loves. And so you you make that determination. Now I would say that there are other means in which you could give. You could give via EFT. It could be one of the payments that you make first in the month before you do other things. I think there are some other principles regarding this. But I, I would like to give you a sense of freedom and the where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That the, the the that God's not looking at you going oh my this this daughter of mine took money out of the envelope that she gave and now she put other money into there. God's not doing that. God doesn't need our money. He wants us to give with a heart that is gracious and a heart that is generous. But to to not have that kind of fear that we have of oh and well I've I've now this is the amount or that is the amount or yeah. this is the uh, no. There is there's something to be said about the discipline of being disciplined with our giving. There's something to be said about being wise stewards of our finances, and I think many of us could do better at that, where we can sit down and where we can have a budget and where we can know, okay, this is the amount that I'm giving to the Lord. This is the amount that I'm giving to this. These are my debts, etc. And I do think sometimes people run into trouble because they have payments that they suddenly need to make, because they've got debt that they've piled up and then they're living under this pressing kind of a I'm I'm in trouble and I need to now take from this and take from that. So I, I hope that that's helpful that that we can move away from in a sense that um Let's say that legalistic view yeah, that yeah. you have to give this amount and it has to be 10%. If we're looking at an Old Testament tie, that's actually more or less 23.5%. I think we've touched on this in yeah, the program before. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, that, that's because the Old Testament was a theocracy. And so that 23.5% basically upheld the government of the Old Testament, which was the Levitical tribe. And so this 10% aspect isn't a New Testament teaching. Um, It is something that if if you're wanting to really be strict about it, um, Paul says, go and do all of the law. (laughs) That's what he teaches in the book of Galatians. So Galatians is a good chapter to go and look at. What should stem in our hearts regarding our giving is from the faith that God has given us and the gratefulness of the heart that goes Everything that I have belongs to the Lord. And I'm going to use everything that I have for the glory of the Lord. Not just the 10%. I'm going to use everything because my whole life belongs to him. I've been bought with the price of the precious blood of Christ. And so my all is for Christ. So I right. hope that's helpful.
0: Eliline, I trust that uh, that answers your question. Thank you so much for taking uh, part in the program. Port Rocky, I've got some bad news for you, my brother. Are you ready for that?
1: What, time is up?
0: Time is up. Oh, my word. Can you believe it? Time just absolutely flies. Can you believe it? He drives here all the way from Benoni on a Tuesday. Get in here. And it's the shortest hour of his entire <laughs> life. So, uh, thank you. Those who want to take it further with yours, Miser Gragen Araking with uh, Joelcom, Rocky, where can they get hold of
1: you? Rocky Stevenson? Uh, no, no, that's um, the wrong email yeah, address. Uh, try Pastor at Bible I thought
0: I'm going to help him right there. Pastor at Bononi Bible Church, Pastor at the Bononi Bible Church dot co ZA. You're welcome to write. Rocky, final words before we leave. Anything the Lord has left on your heart to say no, before um, we greet?
1: The, the passage I was referencing, just if anybody wanted to write it down, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7, which says, Each one must do just as he purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so there you see the concept of decide whatever it is before the Lord without compulsion, without grudgingness, like, okay, yes, the money I must give but with a heart that's willing and saying, I want to give to the Lord.
0: All right. There you have it. And, uh at a later stage, and maybe you can ponder this, The letter van die woord maak is it is geest wat leven bring, we'll chat on that scripture a little bit later on as well, and somebody else that also asks, now, should I pay that to the church directly, or can I help a mother or father who's financially struggling at the moment, a brother or a sister, uh, should I give it to the church when they are struggling, and I can help them as well, we'll get to those questions as well, it's good to listen to Pastor Rocky, it's good to listen to Radio Pulpit, but ultimately, accept Seventeen eleven says, search the scriptures to see if these things are so. Twelve o'clock. Somebody else taking over. Sibongile will be uh, taking the reins from twelve. And uh, till next time, all that's left to say is, search the scriptures. Search the word of God. And uh, do it with a grateful heart as long as we've got the opportunity and the freedom in this country to read God's word. Let's do so willingly and uh, with a burning passion in our heart. Till next time, keep well. God bless you. Playing out with Joe Niemann, the 20 Gospel Choir. He won.